Okay, you rolling? Mm-hmm. Microphone set? Yes, built-in mic, right? <laughs> yeah, built-in mic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so are you going to watch the uh, the meteor shower tomorrow night? Uh, hopefully, if it's not tornadoing here. <laughs> yeah, there's some decent storms right now. Uh-huh. I know. I'm scared that I'm not going to make it out of here and I'm going to get electrocuted through these headphones. <laughs> because <laughs> that's They're how wireless headphone works. shannon <laughs> that's how electricity works <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing it's fine well i'm curious our uh, our little dog we put a doggy door in and she's figured out how to go out but not come back in <laughs> oh mitzi yes and so i was wondering it's like well if it starts raining maybe she'll figure out how to come i mean she's got a covered porch but maybe she would be desperate enough to come nope, nope. no <laughs> Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> so we have to work on the coming in the door skills a little bit more. Oh, poor Mitzi. <laughs> we set a treat inside the door and she just stuck her head through it, grabbed the treat and took off. <laughs> uh, I bet it's one of those like tiny, adorable little dog doors, right? It's relatively small, yeah. So my large Mitzi, you know, 70 pound Mitzi got stuck in one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> at my friend's house it was a cat door and uh yeah she got her front paw and her head stuck through it and we just sat there taking pictures of her <laughs> <laughs> so yeah speaking of outside and having problems coming in <laughs> right <laughs> uh okay well i suppose we should get started because uh as i mentioned i've got a laptop without a charger today <laughs> So I'm living on the edge. Living on the edge. Okay. Yeah, I will. Um, I was going to say I'll try to, you know, keep it short, but that's not in my um, in my nature. So we'll just see what happens. <laughs> All right. So three, two, one. Ninety percent of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information. But don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Doing pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Are you still in the same spot? Yes. <laughs> as last week? Yes. Yep. <laughs> it was like, I, I begged you to record a day later and then i didn't even think that this is like tuesday is my zoom meeting day i mean every day is a zoom meeting day but tuesday's like five of six in a row so yeah i haven't moved i am this chair now we're one <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not a comfortable chair i just want to throw that out there too it's just like a hard bar stool chair so ouch yeah because i couldn't get my comfortable chair in my car from my office so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that's where i'm at um do you have a do you have a shop now because it was you know in pieces the last time we talked yeah so we we finished doing our our changes to the shop and today i actually set up my desk with my laptop and everything on it and got to work which is cool except somehow this desk <laughs> i've never sat at a desk this high um <laughs> With my office chair all the way up, it's still like a coloring table, like from kindergarten. <laughs> I hear you shrink as you get older. I'm mean, just saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So right now I'm sitting on a uh, like a stool that we had at one of our electronics benches, like the soldering bench that oh. goes way high. I was really hoping you had like a little, you know, just a little booster chair in your office chair. <laughs> that's, that's 
That's I'm gonna I put like my office chair up on cinder blocks. That's about right for the neighborhood. But. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So I need to do a, either do a little bit of saw work or find a different chair. <laughs> <laughs> either way, that will be therapeutic: the shopping or the cutting. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so you put these show notes together, and I was looking through them at work, and I set up a very large unreasonably large i think it's a 32 inch or 34 inch screen on my desk Mm -hmm. yes and you sent this glowy earthquakes thing (laughs) and so i was playing around with it on that screen which was really cool i also have an unreasonably large 34 inch screen on this tiny desk that i use at home i'm sure my eyes are going to be dead by the time this is over um this was so neat right (laughs) yes it's a little 3d world that you can rotate uh, that shows the position of the uh, the hypocenter of all the earthquakes. It's so cool. It's so neat to like look at these little subduction zone earthquakes through like the bottom of the world and see how deep they are. It's it's super neat. So I, I do have one complaint and that's it. Oh wow. <laughs> Which is, so I've plotted earthquakes in 3D before mm-hmm. and, and looked at them. And I was like, this doesn't look right. This doesn't look, so I was looking around like Japan and uh, I was like, yeah, that, that plate angle is way too steep. So they vertically exaggerate the depth by a factor of eight, oh. which is why they all look very deep they and do. why the plate boundaries look very steep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in reality talking like 13... 20 25 degrees you know i don't no one ever believes that when you say that you know what i mean (laughs) like i remember it was when we had that show with chuck and he was like you know these angles are nothing like we draw them and i'm like what (laughs) i have my phd what are you talking about (laughs) right and it's because we do these things like this vertical exaggeration. i mean we do it in cross sections too come on structure people oh yeah like Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> my TA, he's like, I won't grade it unless it's one-to-one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Makes for really yeah. boring topo profiles in one-to-one. but I think you mean makes for really easy to draw topo profiles, which is why I always did it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, can't argue that 20 feet on that two-foot-long cross-section. <laughs> if you zoom out far enough, it's all a straight line. Exactly, <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. So we're linking the glowy earth into the uh, the show notes. There's this great smattering of them in northern Oklahoma, and that's pretty fun too. Yeah, and I will apologize. I forgot to put. So last week's show, I just called it Palinspastic because when I was posting the show, I completely forgot that we were going to call it Geologist Crazy Wall and link that in. Uh-huh. So we'll have to put the crazy wall link in this week's show notes. Sorry uh, about that. So sad. So if you, if you sad. also noticed, it was a little bit late getting posted last week because somebody pro- got really busy at the end of the week. You probably couldn't move your <laughs> arms from all the manual labor you were doing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's why my boxes of tile are still sitting outside my uh, my bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was not going to be fun, but but we got it done. It's done. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about what to 
what to do this week. And you suggested that we talk about the stars. You know, I'm getting super obsessed with, well, I think that this time, whatever weirdness is happening, it's so cool to look at all these pictures and satellite imagery, which maybe will be something I can get you to write a show about because I know you love that, uh, <laughs> about all this lack of pollution. And there are literally people who don't ever see stars that can now go outside and look up at the night sky and see constellations. And that blows my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's... Yes. <laughs> so while I'm melded to this chair, and if it's a particularly boring Zoom meeting, what I'm doing is I'm searching, like, National Geographic and whatever photos of these huge cities without pollution. And I think it's super cool. So maybe some people don't know some regular star jargon, and I thought maybe we could talk about that. <laughs> right. So stars, obviously one of the things you're going to talk about a lot is light. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which... Is a really complicated subject. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I didn't know how much you were going to go crazy um, complicating it because it really is. <laughs> like the way we perceive it is very nonlinear. It itself is very nonlinear with the whole inverse square law fall off thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also get to use some of the really cool things we learned in radiation and climate. Uh, like Stefan Boltzmann and Beer Lambert Law. Man, I haven't had a good Beer Lambert in a while. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, that's the, the whole Beer Lambert, just very small tangent. Um, Beer Lambert Law was, okay, it was uh, more formalized by Lambert and then later defined even more so uh, in a more generic way by Beer. But uh, do you know who originally discovered this whole uh, fall off going through media concept? Galileo. No. Who? Think geophysicist. Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Bouguer. Oh, Booger, great. (laughs) Yeah, Bouguer, the Bouguer gravity correction. uh, When he was uh, holding a wine glass up on vacation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so there you go. Fun fact, the Beer Lambert Law actually was not discovered by Beer or Lambert. Oh, my goodness. But there we go. Um, Bouguet already had an anomaly named after him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I always loved the Stefan Boltzmann constant because I just love writing those little sigmas. It's real fun. And when else do you get to use a fourth power? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. That's the one I always remembered. That's because you you always get to square and cube things, but nobody ever gets to take anything to the to fourth. To the power. fourth, exactly. And I was so good at writing those little sigmas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> News, on the other hand, oh, hated those. Well, now that we're already far left field of where we were going, completely off subject. <laughs> uh, so the first thing that we would talk about with stars is luminosity. Right, but if you want to be nerdy, like you're going to do, and you're going to call it radiant power, right? <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, they're, they're the same thing. But the important distinction here is, at least to me, mm-hmm. luminosity measures the entire electromagnetic spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it is power radiated by an object, not only invisible, not only in infrared, but in X-ray, 
and gamma and below infrared and radio. It's the entire, so, you know, stars emit radio energy and all kinds of stuff. It's everything crammed together, not just what you can see with your eye. Right. So something can be very luminous, but you can't see it. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, that's super strange. Um, because once you start measuring it in specific frequencies, it's called something else. Right. And mm-hmm. what you use to calibrate that curve is a matter of hot debate in certain communities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to emphasize that this is a very elementary astronomy lesson. <laughs> right. Uh-huh, yeah. So um, these are just some words I want to throw out. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get into to really looking at it, think uh, our Google Luminous Flux. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so you can get, like, what's the response of the eye and how should we we do this uh but before we go any further i want to give an analogy before we okay. talk about the rest of these terms and okay. the words are different uh if you are buying a light for your house you might see lumens well you might see candles ignore that terrible yeah. unit uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's stick with the si units here how do you calibrate those candles <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, nice throwback to show five or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So lumens and lux. Lux. So lumens are the amount of the amount of energy radiated in a very specific set of wavelengths. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Namely, visible light. Mm -hmm. So you could have a light that is, let's say, a thousand lumens. Now, mm-hmm. if you focus that light down, like a spotlight or like a can light in your ceiling, so that it makes a circle on the floor of one square meter area, that would be a thousand lux. Wow. But if you But if you widen that spotlight out so that the circle on the floor is now 10 square meters area, then it's 100 lux, but the source light is still 1,000 lumens. So lumens is radiated power. Lux is radiated power flux. Uh, Okay, so this is going to come up when we talk about brightness and magnitude, sort of. Right. So, So chew on that analogy of the spotlight staying the same number of lumens and somebody up there rotating the lens, you know, zooming in or narrowing the beam down on somebody and then widening out again Mm -hmm. for the rest of the show. That's what we're talking about with stars. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. So no one's actually moving them. They're moving or in different places. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay, great. Um, So fun paper Friday now or? (laughs) Yeah. So so luminosity. (laughs) What, how do you write luminosity in astronomy, which is not how you write it in any photonics or physics? No, exactly. And I love it. It's just that the L with a little circle and a dot in the middle of the circle. And you're talking about because we're so self-centered, we measure stuff with respect to us. And so that's the luminosity of our sun, which is set to one. Which, I mean, is kind of cool because when you're dealing with ridiculous numbers, like if you (laughs) if you actually talked about how many watts is the sun, like. It's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> so astronomers really like to say, well, if you think about 
our sun or the distance to our sun or something. You know, we're, we'll call that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's actually a brilliant. It's a brilliant way to do it because yeah, you're right. It just becomes meaningless after a certain amount. Um, so yeah, so you'll see luminosities for other things displayed as like five L with a little circle um, beside it, and that makes a lot more sense than you know two quadrillion squared <laughs> or whatever. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> what the heck is a gigawatt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you know how they measure this stuff? I didn't know if that was something that you also um, were dorky about this kind of instrument. I would assume it's some sort of a spectrum-based measurement. Uh, and it, in, integrating the area under the curve, but I don't know. I, okay, well, I don't know either. It's called a bolometer. That's all I know. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it measures that radiant energy over this wide band of absorption. So, yeah. It sounds like a spectral thing, but I don't know. Correct. Yeah, I didn't know if it, like, what you attach that to. <laughs> I would assume do... it's something that goes on a on the optics of a telescope. That's what I would assume, too. Yeah. And you have like bolometric corrections and all this junk where you can start to mess around with the different um, frequencies and wavelength bands and stuff. But I, didn't, I don't know anything if, about if that. If you're an astronomer listening and, you, <laughs> and you're cringing right now, <laughs> please email us if you'd like to come on and explain some of your instrumentation because I would love that. <laughs> I, uh, yes, that is correct. <laughs> But that leads us to another thing that you'll hear a lot about. Um, And I remember being a kid. This is kind of why I wanted to write this. I remember like this is one of the things that got me not one of. I was super into astronomy. And this is one of the things that I really loved was the difference between like talking about apparent brightness and apparent magnitudes. Because you'll hear that a lot when you're discussing like the, you know, the baseball card of each star. Right. Right. So, so if luminosity is power in watts, apparent brightness is—it's the the power flux. Right. So it's just what you're—I mean, lux. I love it so much. It's like you just took the f off of the flux, <laughs> and right. so so that flux is the energy from a star passing through a square meter in a second at Earth's surface. So it's a watt meter squared per second. Right. Which is obviously super dependent on distance from us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As you go further away from something, the flux falls off with the inverse square law. So you go twice as far away, you get four times less energy. Yeah. So quite a bit. Um, so back when the Greeks were doing all this great science that we, you know, finally started to build upon again this was hipparchus in the hundreds uh before the common area common era sorry he came up with a scale for this uh, it's kind of the apparent magnitude scale although i think there's a lot of issue about whether hipparchus's scale was actually a numerical scale or it was just a relative scale and then ptolemy was the one that put numbers to it it was unclear and it seemed like there was a lot of fighting about who actually came up with this. But Hipparchus came up with this. That's really a bright thing. That's less bright. That's really dim. And basically, 
if you look at what you can see, like what Hipparchus would have been able to see with his eyes, eyeballs can detect a hundred times difference in brightness, um, which was really interesting. And so Ptolemy put these numbers on here, calibrated Hipparchus's scale into a thing that we call the apparent magnitude. So the brightest stars have a magnitude one and the dimmest were magnitude six. That was at this time. Okay, so I would love to know why six. I know. <laughs> like, were there six very specifically bright stars? You know what I mean? Like, well, that one's here. Like, when he's lining them up, what was he looking at? So he's looking at like Vega and Sirius and four in between. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, just the way that humans work, I would expect base two, base 10. Mm hmm. Something, mm -hmm. but not six. Anyway. I know. Yeah. So that was a scale. And then once, you know, we had things better than eyeballs, <laughs> this scale expanded. And so the weird part of this scale, much like sediment size, fee scales, right, is that negative numbers are brighter. So now we go into the negatives. Um, Vega is zero, if you're familiar with how bright Vega is. Um, and everything brighter than Vega in the night sky is a negative number and then dimmer than, you know, Sirius and beyond are higher positive numbers. Right. And since a factor of five is a difference of a hundred <laughs> from one to six, that means that everything is a fifth root of 100 step in brightness. Yep. <laughs> which is like 2.6, 2.5, something like that. Uh, mm -hmm hard to do that on the top of your head, but somewhere in there, it's a two and change factor of perceived brightness yeah. per magnitude unit. It's so weird. <laughs> so it's logarithmic, but oddly. Backwardsly? I don't, mm, yeah, it's a real strange thing. And I remember like figuring this out as a little kid and then of course walking around and obnoxiously telling everyone. <laughs> You know, right. Vegas is zero, but Sirius is not. <laughs> I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> but figuring this out, it's kind of neat. So that's what apparent magnitudes are. And we still we still use this today. But the problem with the apparent magnitudes is you're still a dependent on distance. And so we want stuff in the absolutes now. Now you've got your absolute magnitude scale. Right. Which is so this also weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it at least sort of corrects for this distance bias. Right. Um, so an, ob an object's absolute magnitude will equal its apparent magnitude if it's viewed at 10 parsecs away. Which is a long ways. I want to say a parsec is a little over 200,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. two hundred thousand and change. No, two two hundred. No, it's two hundred thousand AUs. Ooh, yeah, that's way bigger. <laughs> yeah, because the moon is two hundred fifty thousand miles. Miles, right? Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it's two hundred, little over two hundred thousand AUs or distances from Earth to Sun away. Okay, yeah, so really long, <laughs> right? And really big. So ten parsecs away, and so basically that's the line you're looking at. If you're less than ten parsecs away your apparent magnitude number is actually smaller than your absolute magnitude because the smaller numbers are brighter and vice versa. 
Right. So 10 parsecs is the magic number. I can make the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have put that in the notes. I should have just like left that to the side so you would have laughed for real. <laughs> well, the real question is how fast could the Picard do it? But Oh, that's so true. Um, yeah. So all that stuff's really confusing. I like it. It is. Yeah, I'm a big fan of these intrinsic values like luminosity <laughs> or just temperature. And I know we've talked about it before on the uh, on the show, but I just want to go back to, in case people aren't used to looking at the stars, and they're like, oh, this is cool. Um, this is one of those intro uh, astronomy things that you'll look at right away, and that's the Hertzsprung-Russell diagram. And I love this website that I linked into the show notes because it shows it in so many cool different ways. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, and like, it's the coolest chart, <laughs> like collage of this diagram that I've ever seen. And interestingly enough, this is from the, the Chandra X-ray Observatory's website. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. So, um, yeah, we can, by looking and using all these telescopes, and this is also the answer to how do we know how old our sun is, right? Um, we look at all these different stars and we can figure out where they are in their lifespans. And this uh, this diagram, the Hertzsprung-Russell diagram, is what shows us, you know, what type, how do we classify stars? Because they're classified based on, you know, their luminosity and temperature, essentially. Right. And I will say, if you want a much deeper dive through the main sequence than we're going to go into here. There is an awesome book called Pulp Physics. Hmm. It is astronomy, humankind in space and time. Uh, you can get the audiobook read by the author. Uh, I don't remember how long it was. I want to say it was 10 hours, 12 hours, something like that. Okay. It is just like sitting by the fireplace and listening to an expert just calmly, soothingly narrate everything they've learned about their field. Wow. <laughs> and it starts out, you know, in Greek times and works up to modern astronomy, but it goes through this diagram in exquisite detail and makes it so understandable. Really? Oh, yes. that is super cool. Well, then I'll let you do this part. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a while, so let's do it. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, uh, it, it was a good book. I listened to it when I was going out uh, around, actually around field camp, and he was talking about the observatory in Flagstaff where Pluto was discovered, and so that's actually why I, Lowell Observatory, so I just, mm. I was listening to it, and I looked on the map, and I was like, oh, I'm two hours from there, as he's talking about it, I was like, I'm going to just drive there and go see it. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I love that um, place. That's one of my favorite places to go. So anyway, the sidetrack was if if you like this discussion and find this diagram interesting, you would really enjoy this book. Awesome. I am going to um, get it from my library right away. Yeah. So on this diagram, you've got spectral class. Uh, so <laughs> OBAFGKM. Which uh, the mnemonic is, oh, be a fine girl, kiss me. I don't know right. anyone that has a different mnemonic for this thing. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, go ahead. <laughs> and then 
that so that's on the x-axis the other x-axis could be temperature mm-hmm. uh and here's why we use odd units in astronomy because the temperatures go from 3,000 to 30,000 kelvin <laughs> searingly hot to unimaginably hot yes <laughs> right and then on the y-axis you have absolute magnitude if you prefer to work with uh not real numbers or luminosity if you prefer to work with real numbers mm-hmm. yeah and so you can plot our little sun there at one and there's these groupings of all the stars on here that we've observed and you know we give them so all the all the main sequence stars which we're still the sun is on the main sequence but as stuff happens in the star and they get you know through the lifetime they can move off this main sequence turn into giants super giants brown dwarfs all that fun stuff right and i want to say that the sun is spectral class g isn't it uh yes yeah. Yep, it's right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of where this main sequence curve flattens out for a little bit in AFG, basically. Right. And then, um, so this is how, so this is how we know. I, this is always a, a sort of interesting thing to go over. I always like to show this diagram in intro geology. Well, in every class I teach, essentially, um, to say that you know we know where we're headed because we've observed these things and we've plotted the temperatures and luminosities of all these stars. And so we can see where the sun came from, how long ago that would have been and where it's going and how long that will take us. So we know we're just in middle age, still on the main sequence. But once we start to, you know, convert our helium and start nuclear weirdness, (laughs) uh, we're going to jump off that main sequence and, you know, go giant. Right. Yeah. So you can always look at, like I said, on those baseball cards of all the stars you're looking at, and you can see what class of stars they are and where they fall within this um, Hertzsprung-Russell diagram. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how deeply you want to. <laughs> oh no, that's good for me. I mean, we've talked about it on this. Sh- we've yeah. talked about it on this show before. I just wanted to bring it up because I think it's a cool thing to when you start to look at stars and then start to look up stuff about stars, you see this spectral class a bunch and you're like, what does this mean? What is a F type star? (laughs) And this is where you go to figure that out. Well, it's also sort of fun to look at the distribution of data points on here. And be like, we are quite literally basically the average. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yep. In terms of temperature, in terms of, age in terms of yeah mm-hmm. there's a few things that are a lot hotter and brighter and there are a lot of things that are dimmer but we're basically in the middle of the pack yeah yeah <laughs> look at us little nothing average, special little average sun um which one of these graphs do you like the most i know we're on the radio but <laughs> i need well. to know which one of these spoke to you because does it that's why I wanted to link this specific website. I thought it was such a neat array of these diagrams. I'm torn mm-hmm. because I will tell you the first time I pulled the website up and when I pulled it up again, while we're having this discussion, the one that I zoomed in on 
is the original black and white HR <laughs> diagram. <laughs> I do like that because I like that it has each data point. Yes. And I'm embarrassed that the one that I <laughs> the one that I use is this terrible Wikipedia looking one um, that's like blue on the <laughs> on the left, red on the red on the right, and it doesn't even have the temperatures actually plotted on it. <laughs> And magnitude is poorly hyphenated on the axis label? Correct. <laughs> Ooh. I know, but really, I like the one below that. I think that's really neat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one, I would pick the one that says major branches on the HR diagram. Uh-huh, yeah. That, that Just one's... because they use the size of the data point. And that one's really smooth looking. So um, I think I will switch to that one as I move on. But this is a really cool... This is a really great website to learn about it. And I mean, I will say I really appreciate when professors would show us in talks like the original figures, yeah. not, not just like the cartoon version, but like, no, here's the figure from the science paper. You're a science major. You can figure this out. Uh huh. Um, but I would say I'm probably in the minority there. Probably. Um, because people like pretty stuff. If you keep going down, though, there's this neat like stellar evolution that has come out of like NASA's made this through the Chandra Observatory. And I thought I, I really like this one too. It's kind of neat. It talks about how like once you have a protostar and so you make this star out of its little you know, out of its little stellar nursery. And the mass of it, like what does its lifespan look like? Which is what the Hertzsprung Ruffle diagram shows you, but this is kind of a different little linear version through time that i like too i think this is kind of neat well it's linear until you realize the left and right of the yeah. diagram are the same place yes yes that is true <laughs> <laughs> but i said linear through time <laughs> right yeah it's kind of a neat little thing though because you don't see this it's actually difficult to sort of see a star's life cycle on the hr diagram Yes. In fact, there is a figure in here where they trace the sun and it's, on the HR diagram. And it's like, whack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, uh, is this arrow supposed to? I don't. Yeah. It gets real weird. Um, so I really like that diagram, too. I think I'll probably start showing both of those. Right. Yeah. So anyway, in case you haven't looked at stars lately or just wanted to be, you know, re-inspired by the lack of pollution i thought those are some numbers you can look up about your favorite stars <laughs> yes so go uh you know print off your baseball playing cards for your favorite stars <laughs> uh rig up your own bolometer exactly and uh, go out and do some magnitude measurements i think mm -hmm. that would be outstanding i agree except for right now because it's really thunderstormy outside where i am <laughs> yeah so i guess if you, if you do hear the thunder uh, yeah. That's coming from Shanzen. It's not uh, not to where I am yet, but we'll be here soon. Yes, exactly. So that means, uh, yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous. Maybe I'll age more quickly worrying about, you know, hail on my car. <laughs> so it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday. Yay. Uh, this study needs to be redone after this year. <laughs> exactly. That's why I thought it was, I thought that this was very prescient, even though it was from the 2015 BMJ issue. 
<laughs> so do heads of do heads of government age more quickly? Observational study comparing mortality between elected leaders and runners-up in national elections of 17 countries by Olinsky et al. <laughs> I thought this was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I can't tell you how many times, you know, and, and not just us, but not just like my husband and I, but other people are like, man, Obama really looks like he aged a lot in that eight years. And you're like, what does that mean? And it's, it's true, apparently. Well, and if you want to put it in the clinical terms, it would be, <laughs> do, uh, <laughs> do politicians experience accelerated mortality? I know. That was my favorite phrase from the paper. Accelerated mortality. Uh, there was some weird thing in here that, well, we'll get to it. Um, again, these abstracts are just fabulous. Just fabulous. Um, and so there's obviously been a lot of study on this. And I thought what was actually interesting about this is there have been studies that say that no, American presidents don't age any quicker. There are studies that say yes. And so the way that this looked at it, instead of they tried to sort of normalize it into what their ex life expectancy in years was after, you know, they were, after they were elected versus what actually happened. So that's kind of interesting. Right. And, uh, I mean, the summary is you probably lose about four years of your life. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and the hardest part of the paper, which was also super funny, was trying to figure out, because <laughs> they use 17 different countries, right? So trying to figure out the political systems of the different countries to figure out who is actually, like, running for office and didn't get elected versus who was elected or were they elected or appointed. And I thought that was just a funny thing that right. <laughs> not what they're trying to do, but where they had the most problems. <laughs> right. And I mean, in the end, they were saying, were you heavily involved in politics for an extended period of time? <laughs> right. Exactly. Did someone push you to do that or <laughs> right? did you choose to? And so, you know, they looked at who got elected and then they looked at, um, people who ran against them that never were in politics after that because they lost. And uh, right. the, 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 I spent quite a bit of time with this table. It was very interesting <laughs> because they looked at everything from 1722 to 2015, which was kind of cool. And this was a lot of work because they say in there that this was all done with uh, manual review of online sources. So Wikipedia uh. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh you know archives of some library where they've scanned their microfiche in or whatever or what was the uh you remember you would get this set of cds and you put them in your computer and you would look up something and be like put in cd3 oh my god um yeah in carta yes <laughs> yeah uh, so, that's but no they do have a lot of tables with the data in here. I was a little sad that there was only one graphic and it wasn't terribly informative. Correct. Yes, that is true. There was a very lack of that. And that's a really interesting because you and I always talk about figures and how you learn and stuff. And I'm always like, I just read this stuff. Like I'm not a person that picks out the figures in the paper and reads the figures and the captions. Like I'm, more interested in the words. And so I read this paper this morning and then about three o'clock I thought, what fun paper did I do? And I 
literally could not recall. And I think it's because there weren't figures. Hmm. Or because I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll go with no figures. It was <laughs> a smart, smart man. Um, it was very interesting. And I was like, what did I read? And I like, I read the whole thing. And I think it's because there wasn't anything for my brain to be like, oh, that's that thing we saw. Remember, it was about this. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's amazing how you can get that, you know, finger memory like in a textbook. Yeah. Ex- yes, exactly. So that's the importance of making snazzy graphics like those HR diagrams. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so uh, getting involved in politics could potentially accelerate your mortality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't do it, basically. That's it. <laughs> you know, I, I want to see this done with, uh, maybe I don't, those that <laughs> get elected into uh, leadership positions in a university, department chairs, <laughs> deans, <laughs> provosts. <laughs> oh, that'd be a hilarious study to do. <laughs> oh, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, so if any of you... uh VPs of research want to fund that study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out there. We'll make some good graphics, like this glowy earth earthquake map. <laughs> right. Uh, well, if you would like to submit numbers for your country's accelerated mortality rate or your university's accelerated mortality rate, <laughs> uh, we would love to start compiling that data. Shannon, how can folks get a hold of us? Uh, email us show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lehman. Together we are at don't panic geo. Um, we're in the Slack chat room of the software underground on the don't panic channel. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, if you would like to support us on Patreon, you may do so. Patreon.com slash don't panic geo. And until next week, remember don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.